This is the good, the Baz, and the ugly. I'm the Baz. Well, that no, I'm Baz. That sounds weird if I were going around calling myself the Baz. Anyway, uh, look, this podcast is filled with uncensored interviews with experts in particular fields or real-life stories from people who have inspiring personal tales to tell. It covers various topics and life stories that I've really dug, you know what I mean? And I think you'll dig them too. Just so you know, this podcast is for grown-ups. It may contain adult themes, sexual references, and strong language. Fuck yeah! No, I just wanted to. Sheet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. Hold it now, wait, hold it. I know you're gonna dig this. I think the best thing for me to do is to introduce him. What the... What's his name? Baz Ashwami. It's not Baz Ashwami. It's Baz Ashmawi. Ahlan usahlan ya habibi. Welcome, welcome people. Welcome to the good, the Baz and the ugly. Episode 20. Woo! Thank You're you. You're very inclusive today. I am. I'm a little bit of Arabic. Just throwing it out there for some of our listeners who are... Showing off. Showing off. Showing but off but, but we, got, we got listeners everywhere. Oh. Got listeners everywhere. I don't want to brag, but I'm feeling pretty smug about that. So ahlan uh, usahlan to, uh, to my brethren. And to my sisters. There you go. <laughs> anyway, listen, this is episode 20. Do you know anything about the number 20? No. Okay, let me educate you, right? 20 was 20 years ago from where you are now. <sighs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm going on deeper level. Number 20, just so you know, is the universe telling you that something good is waiting for you in the future. So you don't have to worry. Number 20 is also a symbol of your positive attitude and optimism. Okay. It can also symbolize your ability for teamwork and your responsibility. If number 20 is appearing in your life very often, it's a very, 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 very good sign. Ooh. That's a fact, according to angelnumber.org. <laughs> I googled it. I googled it. God, I have to say, right, I hate Google. Uh, like, I shouldn't say I hate, I hate Google. Google. No, I shouldn't say I hate Google. Google. I hate Google and and I love it, but but it's kind of frightening, isn't it? How many seconds in your day can you last without using Google? Like exactly. zip, like none. Like if your fucking alarm clock on your phone that that runs kind of it's on a Google owned Android, isn't it? So fail straight away. If if you're some information junkie who likes to sit on the pot. Checking their their news feed first thing, you're probably you've probably failed, right? Because most news sites run on Google owned analytics or, or tools of some sort, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't they? Yeah. And I, I know I know uh, you're an iPhone user, right, mate? I am. Yeah. So maybe you checked your your route last night was on Google Maps because it's much better than Apple Maps, isn't it? It is, though, isn't it? Uh, or you maybe you opened up Safari on your browser, which uses Google as its default search engine. Yeah, Google pays motherfucking Apple three billion a year for that privilege. Yeah, yeah. Well, where are we going fail. Well, I suppose what I'm saying is it's everywhere, right? It's watching. It's it's like Tanya, basically. It's my missus. It's always there, waiting, judging, right? Actually, I've more chance of avoiding my entire family for a month than I do avoiding Google for just a day. Right from the moment you pick up your phone, from the moment you put it down and go to sleep using Google, even if you don't consciously know it, it's omnipresent. We're married to that shit. That's why it's good to get your facts from experienced, fact-based academic research and interviews like this. 
Not me, obviously, academic. I scratched myself yeah, with because a... because you're pointing at yourself. I, I scratched myself with a door today, right? I'm like a chimpanzee. But my guest today, she is the bomb, okay? Ask me what, what I knew about the menopause before this interview, Mai. What did you know about the menopause before this interview, Bass? Did you see my heavy, dumb, weighted blinks hiding my vacant, lost eyes? Did you? I didn't know shit, right? I thought I did. I didn't know shit. You didn't even Google. I didn't even Google it, right? What's the point? But I needed to know more, and I needed to know it now. So I asked an ex- expert, right? I I, I I spoke to Loretta Dignam. <sighs> Simply, Loretta Dignam is the founder and CEO of the Menopause Hub in Ireland, right? Which is dedicated to helping premenopausal and menopausal women and their family. It's Ireland's only menopause clinic. She is brilliant. It was a fantastic conversation. I hate South Dublin people who say the word fantastic, but it was fantastic. And I'm all the better for having it. And I think you will be too. This is that chat. It's nice to meet you, Loretta. Great to meet you. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's all menopause. It's all menopause. It's all menopause at the moment, isn't it? Everyone's going mad for the menopause. What's that about? <laughs> well, I think the reality is that is, you know, it's been taboo for so long. And so many women are suffering. So many women don't know what's actually happening with them. Like 80% of women are unprepared for menopause. So when this finally came on Joe Duffy and like, you know, a good few of us have been banging the door down on a different few presenters and radio stations and TV stations and everything. And finally, anyway, Joe went with it. And it just basically took, um, lifted the lid on menopause and opened um, the floodgates. And so all these women have been suffering and not knowing what they're suffering with on occasions, then realizing that's what they're suffering with. And then others have been, but they haven't been able to get any help. So, yeah. Because I have a mixed audience. I have men and I have women, I have everything, and I don't want to lose anyone. So uh, isn't the menopause just a woman's issue? Whoa, bad, no. <laughs> that's that's a daggered <laughs> question, by the way. But I don't want to lose. It's not. That's the reason I ask no, you. I know it's no. not. The point know. is, I think it's a societal issue. Absolutely. Actually, because 50% of women will go through menopause. 50% of women won't get pregnant. 50% of women will go through menopause. 80% of whom will have symptoms. Um, 45% moderate to severe and um, 25% will be actually severe and 10% will be forced to give up work. So this impacts families, relationships. So it can impact the workplace, it can impact the home life. And um, so yes, it has profound implications for the rest of society. And not only women need to be educated, but so do men. They do, hence I'm here chatting with you, right? So Thank you. We're gonna, I'm your guinea pig, right? Because if Thank you could you. meet a moron out there, and I know I have to, I want to know more, and I want to be, me and John John want to be better men. Don't we, John John? Always. Always, always striving to be better men. Tell me, so I'll go back a little bit. Why did you start the Menopause Hub? So um, basically, I spent all my life in the corporate sector and had a very sort of senior career. I'm a divorced mother of two kids, read them on my own and, you know, went through all the challenges of being a working woman and, you know, women's lib throughout the uh, 80s, 90s and the the, the noughties. And um, a month before my 50th birthday, my period stopped. Now, I didn't know that they'd stopped forever, but they stopped. 
And very quickly after that, a month before your, did you say your 40th? Oh, I only being kind, 50th. 50th, okay, sorry, 50th. I know I look so young, Bad. No, yeah, no, no, you never, like, it's different ages, though, isn't it? No, the average age is 51. Yeah. The average age is 51. So I'd be your kind of average woman in that regard. Yeah. And so a month before my 50th birthday, the period stopped. And then the other thing that happened very quickly was the hot flushes began. And the only two or three things I knew about menopause was period stop, hot flushes, loss of libido, and some crazy lady type, you know, you go crazy. Yeah. That's all. They were the four things I knew about menopause. And I would consider myself to be educated, reasonably intelligent, and that's all I knew. And I'm a woman. Yeah. So why the taboo about it then? I think, I think it's multifaceted. Um, I think one thing is that, you know, in general, we never really in particularly Irish society, but globally, we don't really talk about women's issues, women's bodily functions and things like that. And I think if you look at the generation before my generation and the generation afterwards, in my mother's time, nobody discussed menopause. It was called the change. Mm. But then nobody really discussed pregnancy and they wore smocks to hide the bump. And nobody talked about periods. Then I look, I have a daughter, she's 19 now, but when I started going through menopause, she was um, uh, 13 and going through periods. She had an app on her phone, a period tracker app in her. She went to a mixed school, boys and girls, or a co-ed, and um, they all discuss periods. They're not bound by the same secrecy that my mother's generation was, and then our generation is a little bit more outspoken, but not enough. So I think that's one aspect of it, you know, is that it's, it's a generational society issue. I think the second one is um, there is, for the women who do know what's happening to them, there's a sense of denial. But the majority of women, so 80% of women are unprepared for menopause, 66% know little or nothing. So I would be one of those women at the time. And most women don't actually know what's going on. So they don't talk about it. And they assume, because they're not hearing about this in society in general, they think, well, it must only be me. And they feel that they're going crazy. They're cracking up. It's their issue or it's blamed on stress. Okay, yeah. we say I came from some marine planet in another universe and I arrived down with me gills and I said to you, what is the menopause? Like, okay. explain that to me for anyone, any, any of my younger listeners that might be... Okay, have half so basically the woman on this planet um, at 13-ish goes into what's called puberty and oestrogen rushes throughout our body, touches every single organ and every single cell in our body. And if it doesn't talk to them, it has a conversation. It doesn't touch them. It has a conversation with them. And as a result, she becomes fertile and can reproduce. At the other end is called menopause, which is when your fertility ends and your ovaries no longer produce eggs. All the eggs are used up and um, the level of oestrogen, which is the hormone, declines. So it's the end of your reproductive cycle. The oestrogen starts to decline. And with that, a lot of different things start to happen in the body, psychologically, emotionally, physiologically, and genitourinary, which is in the area of the vagina, the kidneys, the bladder. Is that, does that make sense? That does make sense. Now, I, I obviously knew, because I'm not from a fish marine planet, but, but I'll tell you what did interest me, right, was... Because I, I knew I was going to be chatting to you. Like, for men, right, we, we, we our, our testosterone lowers as we get older. But it pretty much goes to the end of days, pretty much. It's just a slow decrease. Um, pretty right. painless. 
which is quite annoying when you think about it, compared to a poor woman who it kind of happens quite suddenly mid-age and then all of a sudden a huge, falls off huge, a cliff. Yeah, well, pretty much. And then, then I was looking into it because I was looking at things like, you know, side effects like, you know, hot flushes, maybe anxiety, night sweats, uh, memory lapse, depression, th- those kind of key things. But they're all neurological symptoms, right? So that's obviously, it's not just the body because you <laughs> automatically think because it's the ovaries, you think it's about reproduction, but it's also a, a massive amount to do with the brain. It's basically the estrogen touches, as I said, every cell in the body. So in the the neuro area, in the physiological area, throughout the organs. And if it doesn't touch it, it actually um, has some sort of a conversation with it. In the 1900s, women, um, the average life expectancy of women was 49. And they went into menopause at 47. So you didn't live too long with menopause. Roll on to now. So 2021, the average life expectancy is 83.4, so 84 years, we'll say. And the average age of menopause is 51. So women will now live a third to a half of their lives postmenopausal in an estrogen deficient state. And the implications of living without that estrogen or that lowered estrogen that falls off a cliff is one, bone health. So osteoporosis, osteopenia. And one in two women will get an osteoporotic factor, which will leave them dependent in many cases on their partner. They will cardiovascular disease. One in two women die of cardiovascular disease in Ireland and internationally. Um, And the third thing is Alzheimer's. So, you know, this is of interest to males as well as females because it's actually about long-term health as well. Because I saw that, because throughout a woman's life, her her brain is communicating with her ovaries and her ovaries ovaries are communicating with her brain through their neuroendocrine system, right? Yes. So every day of a woman's life, that's happening. So the health of the ovaries then is linked directly with the health of the brain. Yes. Uh, do you know and that what? is why cognitive function becomes an issue. And then of course, because then of course, yeah, that makes sense. Then, then of course you've got, um, that would have an effect on the brain, which as well would create more, you'd be more susceptible to Alzheimer's. Right? Yeah, exactly. I just, I just think that's awful sad. They're awful unfair. Oh, look. And I, you know listen, I love, I love slagging my missus with the best of them. Like, I love to give her a hard time. But once I started kind of looking at it, like, it's really, really, yeah. really tough, isn't it? Very tough, very challenging. And here's an analogy that I think your male listeners would, um, uh, like, uh, even as a female, I think it's a brilliant analogy. It's a bit like, Oestrogen is like the oil for the engine um, of your car. And, you know, as soon as your car is starting to run out of oil, um, your car will start to stutter and putter and da, 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 whatever. And we wouldn't dream of driving our cars without our oil. Um, it's like that for women. So perimenopause is the phase leading up to that, you know, when the periods stop. And that happens from the average age of 40, but can happen any time in the 40s. And that's the decline in estrogen. And you can sometimes feel the putter, putter, the periods are on, they're off. And literally, that's what it is. It's the oil of the engine. And as a result, the body dries up from the inside out. So the brain is drying up, the um, internal organs, the vagina dries up. And all of these kind of things are happening. The bones are getting less dense and so on. So that's what's actually happening um, to women. You must go through 
a feeling of, is my is my brain is my mind playing tricks on me there must be an element to that right because i know the brain is all broken up into these different sections so mm. if you've got your ami de gla or whatever it's called the, the, the emotional yeah. center you know what i mean so and and then that would of course that that's very closely connected with your memory as well yeah. so all these little things start not slipping but you know yeah slipping slipping and what some women say to us is that um first of all a they think they're going mad b they think they have some some alzheimer's or degenerative cognitive issue and they're really worried and if there was anyone in the family with with um alzheimer's they're absolutely like oh my god this is what's happening um and you know memory lapses and whatever and if you have um a career or, or a job what that requires you to have you know attention to detail facts and so on can you imagine the implications of that memory loss and so on and the other thing that happens to a lot of women and honestly this surprised me because i didn't really suffer with this but is they um suffer with anxiety yeah. um or mood or depression for the first time in their life and because of that because they've never encountered that before, they don't believe that the hormones can do that. And therefore, that's another thing. And that brings out irritability um, in the family, crying for no reason, feeling overwhelmed, etc. And women who are able to cope prior to this, suddenly with all this, um, the, the assault on their system going on, suddenly find it difficult to cope. And that's what's actually happening. And the amount of women who say, I want my old self back. My, my missus sleeps like a US Marine, honestly. Like, uh, she's too. never fully asleep. Like, it, obviously, that's the, the stem of the brain, which is controlling your sleep as well. So that's getting affected as well. So. Oh, goodness. Insomnia is huge. A lot of women will talk about. Now, in my instance, I used to have to get up to go to the loo in the night. I don't anymore because I've moved on. To, I went on to HRT. Um, I also used to have the duvet on and off and on and off because I used to have like 20 to 30 hot flushes a day. Um, and that was during the daytime. And then at night, I'd have more of those. So the duvet be on, off, on, the legs out the bed, the whole shebang. And I, my sleep was so broken. And I love my sleep and I need my sleep. And therefore, I felt like a slow puncture. Like and what is it? You just be nothing. sitting there and you just burst into, you just start sweating. Oh, oh, the sweats. Oh, the hot sweats. Oh, that starts at the tip. So it actually starts in the middle in your kind of chest area and it's this intense surge of heat that rises up inside you now men who are um who have had prostate cancer and then on some medications apparently suffer this as well but it's this intense heat and it's almost like you can't get your clothes off quick enough you're like on fire from the inside and that manifests itself in some women with sweat you know down their face so my makeup used to slide off the tips of my hair used to be wet you know your your clothes etc and you take off your and um, you say your cardigan, your jacket, your coat, whatever it is. And the next thing is it subsides and you're freezing. So you have it back on again. It's like that all day. Imagine 20 to 30 times a day. Like living in Ireland all the time. Like, isn't it? I'm hot, I'm cold, I need an umbrella. It's all those emotions at once. What was the toughest part of the menopause for you? What did you, did you, was there, was there one thing that you used to, I know it's different I for would, everyone, but. Well, I would have thought for me, it was that combined with the fatigue but then I had UTIs that went undetected, um, urinary tract infections, those on antibiotics. I developed asthma, which can happen. I went for a brain scan because I had such bad headaches. I had pains in my ankles. I had dizziness, all of which I put down um, to uh, stress and whatever. So I had all those things going on and I didn't have the emotional things really. 
other women have all the emotion and some none of the physical and some poor women have everything of everything and lots of libido and you just go to yourself like I don't know which of the worst it's the kind of combination it's the perfect storm of everything do you know it's worse as well I think if you're surrounded by people I say this like I haven't been that guy right but if you're surrounded by people go did you eat too much chocolate that's why you have a headache you know when you fucking that shit someone saying that to you and you know it's not that but everyone is trying to you know, diagnose what, what it could have been or how you how you brought it on yourself. That's yeah. Obvious. Yeah. Do you hate oh, the it, people it, around you? That's when <laughs> get straight to it. Do you do you want to kill your husband and, or your your part your family, your kids more I mean, so than you usually would? I just felt kind of at the end of my tether a lot, at the end of my rope, you know, that kind of thing. And it's it's so many things. You're not sleeping. You're more fatigued. You're more fatigued. You're going like these hot sweats for me. And they're not 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 everybody experiences those. They were just kind of relentless, like three years of these I had, right? Three years unabated and plus all those other things. And I tried everything natural over the counter. Like you love this one, Baz, and so will a lot of your listeners. I bought magnets that I put in my underwear for 35 euros in boots. And you put them in your underwear and it's meant to help with the hot flushes and so on. And the only thing that happened was, was I stuck to the trolley, you know, the chain of the trolley for the money and to the wire basket. Listen, listen, I tried everything naturally under the sun, you know, everything, you name it, I tried it. And in vain, because I was terrified of HRT. And that's another thing. Nobody talks about HRT, which is hormone replacement therapy. What about your girls? Were you and the girl? Do you and the girls like chat? Like, would you, was there open communication between? I just assumed women would talk to other women about it quite openly. But, or is there not? No, I mentioned my hot flushes. And no, my friends went, what you're talking about? Because they didn't have them. I talked about other things. They didn't seem to have symptoms. But now we realize they had symptoms. They had insomnia that they didn't know was related to menopause. They had anxiety that they didn't know was related to menopause. Because we know so little, all we thought was related to menopause was the hot flushes. So I was the only menopausal woman in my, friend, in my, friend, in my group of friends because I was the only one with the hot flushes. Yet they had loads of symptoms. I'm going to ask a question on behalf of John John, right? But, but it's, <laughs> it, I think it will suit everyone. How do you know if a woman's going through the menopause without without openly asking because maybe they don't know i think a lot of the time nobody knows but is there like is well, it is it those symptoms you're talking about is it is it keeping an eye on mood and anxiety and oh god she's only walked upstairs and she's broken into sweats or is it is it that kind of thing i i think there's a couple of things i think you know for example we're all prepared for puberty for our children and um, they read books we read books the teachers teach it, et cetera, et cetera. And it's very so open you, now. It's like, it's not like yeah. it used to be. I know men especially used to be this kind of like, oh God, no, we won't be taught like there was something wrong with it or something. Do you know? Exactly. Like this kind of attitude. But, but you I know the way that's, that's going, you know? So if you're the, child, the father of a child, and we'll take a daughter in this particular instance, you know, you'll notice she's, her body shape changes. She might start getting a bit of puppy fat. She might, um, she'll start maybe getting acne. She'll start eating more, sleeping more. She'll get periods. And I'm sure that's discussed in most households now. When I was growing up, it wasn't discussed amongst the men. Only the women knew about that. Um, and, you know, she'll sleep a lot more, et cetera, et cetera. Moody, slam doors, start crying for nothing, anger, all this kind of thing. And parents go, oh, my God, where's my baby gone? It's exactly the same in menopause, except it's in reverse. 
Yeah. And so women's body shapes change. I put on about 10 pounds or, you know, I didn't do anything differently, but I put on 10 pounds because the body layers down fat differently um, and all the other different things And we have on our website, the, the menopause hub website, we have a, what's called a symptom checker, which is something I put together for women so that they could join the dots. Now, any, any men can download the symptom checker and go around, check it in <laughs> on behalf of their wife. That's what you'll have now. Because <laughs> I, I kid you not, I kid you not, Loretta, any time <laughs> I've said, do you think you might be going, do you think like I get a fuck off? And that's what I'm told. And I'm like, okay, I've asked like five times, so I better, I better not comment anymore about it. Like I'm just told to leave her alone. So that's fair enough. But the odd time she'll... You know, it's it's. I think age is a big thing. So I think if you're in your forties, you could be experiencing perimenopausal symptoms. If you're in your fifth, if you're fifty, hold on, break that to me slowly. The forties is perimenopausal. Is that not is that not the the, the big show? No. Uh, oh no. Well, you see, the word menopause encompasses a wide age range. So the youngest women we've had come to us in our clinic, and I know they're in the minority, is a woman who's twenty one who went through menopause at fifteen. Twenty one was fifteen. She went to menopause at 15 and would be told, was told that she would never have children. So you have from that and we women in their 80s writing to us, complaining of the symptoms. So I'm not saying that everything in between, but the reality is, is the surgical menopause. So um, women who have their ovaries removed or their um, womb, or if they have cancer or chemotherapy treatment or they have breast cancer and then they end up on um, estrogen um, suppressing medication, they will go through menopause. And um, so that's a surgical group. Then there's the premature, which I just mentioned there. But the, the leading years up to menopause is um, 45, the average age of 45. So things, the oil in the engine starts to get a bit low during the 40s and starts to go down. But it, it's, it's the hormones are up and down, up and down, causing all these myriad of symptoms. For how long, roughly? Like how long, do, how long does that does it last? Yeah. The average length of menopause, peri and post menopause, is um, seven point four years. Seven years. I'm just going to take a drink seven and a half of years. whiskey. <laughs> straight out of the bottle. Okay, I, I'm able. I'm able to continue now. No, seven years. Right, that's a fair stretch. Seven for, and a half. Jesus God, I love them. Yeah. Jesus, God, I yeah. love them. <laughs> I'm talking about them like they're Ethiopian children or something. God, Jesus, that's terrible. But can I can I tell you some of the comments I've heard? One woman wrote to us and she said basically that, and this is in relation to having sex with her husband, whom she loves deeply. Mm. She said, I'd rather drink a cup of cold sick than have sex with my husband right now. Yeah. So it's not that she doesn't love him. It doesn't, but relationships can, can be fraught at the, around this time. Suicide rates go up among women in this age group, in the over 50s age group. So, you know, laughing as we may, it's pretty serious at the same time. And we've had letters from men. We've had men bringing up booking appointments for their partners. We've had men come into consultations with our doctors, with their wives. And we had one woman who came in once, and I remember at the very early days of the clinic, and I was thinking, oh my God, this man is so enlightened. He's fantastic. And I was giving him lots of praise, saying it's great to see you coming in with your wife and everything. And it transpired the reason the wife brought him in was because he didn't believe a word she was saying. 
and it was really important for him to hear what the doctor had to say. This is what I meant. Can you can your GP help you as well as your kind of gynecologist? Oh God, yeah. I mean, there are some fantastic GPs out there, and they treat um, perimenopausal and menopausal women, um, which is fantastic. And the key thing is, like, there's so many myths around, but they can treat them, and we what never are the see myths? those women. What are the clinic. myths? Well, the myths are that um, uh, you don't get symptoms until you're uh, 50, until you have the actual your period stop. So that's untrue. You can get p- symptoms in your 40s when you still have periods. Yeah. The second myth is that um, you can't um, take HRT if you have periods and you have to wait until after the period stop. That's not true. Um, the other myths are that um, if you're um, a smoker or you have high blood pressure, that you can't take HRT. Um, there's so many different things abounding about it. Uh, you can get pregnant um, at, if you're perimenop- perimenopausal and postmenopausal. So women need to be looking at their contraception um, as well as their 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 symptoms um, in order to make sure they don't get pregnant because there's such a thing as sort of menopause babies. So that's another myth. Jesus, um, that's so, just having fields in fire in fairness, isn't it? Good God, this is not tough enough. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. And the other thing is that, you know, you have to be on your, you know, on your knees before you can take HRT. It's the last, last resort. That's another big bit. And that's not true either, you know. Yeah. Tell me just, do you need a referral from a GP to come into the, into the... The menopause hub. The menopause no, hub. It, yeah, it's set up as a, like a primary care facility. And what I'd envisaged was, and we have a multidisciplinary team. So we have medical doctors, some of whom are GP based, some of whom are... Um, gynecologists and we have a consultant gynecologist on the team we have a psychologist who deals with women's health because sometimes the um, anxiety issues and so on and depression and so on can can benefit from that also cognitive behavioral therapy is very important and particularly for women who maybe can't take HRT or don't want to it's another way of helping them control symptoms Um, and then we have a pelvic physio so particularly for things like incontinence which can be a big thing and those ads on tv drive me mad you know with put a pad in it's normal to leak us women all leak and all the reality is it's not normal to leak and if you have any leakage get it checked out no matter what your age yeah and so we have a pelvic physio for that sexual issues are an issue and pelvic physio can help with that too Um, and we have a dietitian or things are sore they don't want (laughs) (laughs) what is it there so the biggest um, the big issues are one is libido yeah um, and some women can take testosterone actually which is another hormone a male hormone that we can take and um, to help with that and um, the other issue is painful sex can be an issue and that's really because there's dryness in the vagina and that's one of the things that actually doesn't reverse as you age um, some of the symptoms the hot flushes can disappear after a while or after 7.4 years or whatever or the the brain fog or those things can change and lift and the anxiety but the vagina keeps getting dried up and what it does is instead of being nice and moist and plump it becomes papery and thin and that causes pain causes infection that kind of thing so there's a whole piece around that so you combine the libido with any physical pain you know no wonder women don't want to have sex and their husband are going like what do you not love me anymore and the reality is they do they love them deeply but um they just it's just too too painful too 
undesirable, mm. really, yeah. you know? Yeah. But you can get treatment. You can get local estrogen for that, which is very, 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 very safe. Okay. And it has to be prescribed and you can get it it's very safe. So back to your question, you can come to our clinic. You can be um, self-referral. You don't need a referral. Um, and as I said, some GPs aren't as good as others and therefore um, we, our clinic can help there. And we can help with more And you have your places. own GPs there as well, do you? We have our own GPs and our own we have a consultant gynaecologist and gynaecologist. Loretta, is it expensive? Is it? A, can you claim it on VHI or anything like that? Uh, you depending on if you have VHI or the equivalent, yeah. Leia. But let's not forget the competition. Um, but if you have um, healthcare, you can claim back. But um, you pay first and then claim back. Yeah. Now the fee for the consultation is 180 euros, and the reason that it's expensive is because your 10 minute or 15 minute GP consultation isn't enough time to discuss this. It's such a complex area. And when you see our symptom checker, it has 40 different symptoms on it. So try getting through that in 10 minutes. Plus you need a medical history and the background and the family history and so on. So it's 180 euros for the first one, which is up to about 30 minutes. But sometimes it's longer, sometimes a little bit shorter. And the follow-up visit. So the doctor then, if they'll discuss treatment options with women and they can discuss um, hormone replacement therapy, they can discuss non-hormonal medical solutions and then they can discuss sort of over-the-counter solutions but the problem with the -the over-the-counter solutions is there's no evidence our clinic is an evidence-based clinic there's no evidence that those over-the-counter solutions work plus they're not putting back the estrogen that your body needs so if you get a prescription and it's a discussion with the doctor because it's your decision Mm. your life Mm. they're they're guiding you and the prescription you'll get on the day so that's the 180 euros and typically if you go on a prescription the doctor would usually ask to see you back in three months and that's just to make sure it's an opportunity to review and revise your medication if needed yeah. and to tweak it to to kind of you know to to optimize it and then it's every six months after that and the follow-up fee is 90 so that's a yeah. that's a lot yeah. of money at one hand yeah now my big regret is that our clinic is private and the way the medical system is set up right now is that medical card patients we're not covered by the HSE or the Department of Health or whatever for, to, for medical card patients. So we give a 30 euro discount on that. But my big concern is the women who can't even afford to come to our clinic at all yeah. and who can't get help. That, that, that saddens me and, and angers me at the same time. Tell me this, talking about HRT there, why, what's the big fear that women have with HRT? I don't quite understand. What's oh, the anxiety yeah. about it? Apparently, if a male had um, his testicles removed for um, testicular cancer or some other thing, they would be given testosterone replacement therapy immediately. A woman has her ovaries removed and may or may not be prescribed estrogen and so on straight away. So in 2002, a study was done in the US called the Women's Health Initiative. And it was a study done among a huge population of women. And it was never peer reviewed before it was published. And the headlines came out saying that... um, HRT causes breast cancer and um, increases the risk of stroke. So that immediately, in the US, I think the numbers are something like 36% of the population was on HRT and it overnight fell to 6%. Doctors stopped prescribing it around the world. Women stopped asking for it. HRT's reputation has never actually recovered from that. Since then, that um, research has been debunked. And in 2015, the UK brought out a thing called the NICE guidelines. And so the National Institute of um, Health and Care Guidelines, excellence, and they brought out the NICE guidelines in 2015. But a lot of people, you know, have never, say medics or or women or whatever, wouldn't know about that. And therefore, this hangover, and I had the same. 
I would consider myself to be reasonably educated, reasonably intelligent, and I still was terrified of HRT. So for three years, I went along what I call bumbled along in the fog and the mist of menopause um, before I considered taking when, HRT. When is HRT considered? Like, when, when do you kind of go, okay, it's time for me now to break the back? Well, I think um, if you notice any significant changes in, in your 40s, that you think, particularly from 45 onwards, you can consider HRT and the doctor could consider HRT for you. And really what it is, is replacing the estrogen. Mm. And if you have a womb, the progesterone. Um, so you have those two. Some women need, in addition, testosterone, but not all. Um, I'm on testosterone and I'm on estrogen and progesterone. And that little sort of cocktail I, is all delivered through my skin, what's called transdermal, which is seen as safer than the oral um, medication of bygone era. And here's a fact you love. The, pre, the, initi- the, the, the very first um, HRT, the estrogen was made from pregnant mare's urine. So it was called Premarin. And that is still being prescribed nowadays, even though it's seen as outdated. It's called conjugated equine estrogen. It's seen as outdated. The more modern stuff has less side effects, is is made to mimic exactly the female hormones. So you can go on HRT any time that your body starts to demonstrate that your estrogen um, is in decline. Tell me this then, what about for women who have maybe a blood condition or, you know, for whatever reason they have biologically where they, they're unable or medically, to, they're unable to take HRT, is there, is there other options for them? Yeah, so there are a number of women would be unable to take HRT and that's why a medical assessment is really important for someone who knows about this stuff because there are stuff that, you know, one woman wrote to us and said, I'm a smoker, my doctor won't prescribe HRT for me. Whereas in fact, we would prescribe, our doctors would prescribe for smokers. They'd be trying to tell the smoker to give up smoking, obviously, but they would um, prescribe HRT. So those women, um, what they can do is there are non-hormonal medications available, which they can take which um are they shit are, though you know, if you're taking plant-based hrt is that is that crap compared to the real deal no you see the interesting thing is that right is the word natural and the word organic and all these words are all very well but the reality of it is in order to get the hormones into your body you can't just rub yams on your body because that's where the equivalent comes from right so you can't just sit there and rub yams on it does have to be synthesized into something that you can put onto your body or you know in a gel on your body so you ha- that has to be done but women think you know if you wear if you use the word synthetic oh it's not natural so the origins of all the transdermal um, hrt is plant-based is is plant-based but you know it's still it's still pharmaceutically produced and there's other bits and whatever to make yeah. it into something that can be absorbed into its skin. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are other options available. So for example, if you have hot flushes, there is non-hormonal medication that you can take. Um, and there's a number of other different things that the doctors can prescribe um, if you can't take um, HRT. Um, but I'm not saying HRT, you know, is the be all and end all. It is pretty fantastic. It's the most effective for most women. Um, and the risks um, are much less than women would think. And I have a brilliant chart that shows actually by being overweight or obese with the BMI of 30 or over, you have double the risk of breast cancer. So there would be uh, 46 women will get breast cancer per thousand, whereas from HRT, it's only 27. 
And naturally in the occurring population, there's 23. Wow. So 23 women per thousand will actually get breast cancer anyway, over the age of 50. They're shocking stats, aren't they? They're... Yeah. It increases by four on the old form of HRT was done in this study. And it doubles if you're overweight or obese, and it goes up by five if you drink two units of alcohol or more a day. But people don't know that. Yeah. And it's the thing is, you know, the myths get in the way of the facts. Do you think do you think we're coming to a stage of because it's funny I, I was I was saying like a week or two ago I want to do um, uh, have a chat with 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 um, someone like yourself about um, about the menopause and then all of a sudden I haven't seen it everywhere and I'm like what is going on like it, it, which is a good thing which is like it's a real brilliant. sense of empowerment for women and you know the, the ability to be able to talk freely and openly about it. but do you feel like it's it's becoming it's changing it's it's stigma. I do. I do think um, it's changing. Um, in the UK, they have a number of high-profile po- high celebs. So they've got the likes of Davina McCall, who had the show on Channel 4 last week. They have um, Meg, Meg Matthews, who was the ex-Oasis wife. That's right. Who um, is going out talking about this. You have Liz Earl, the um, skin beauty woman. You've got all these very high-profile. The um, All of those shows are coming out. Talking Loose women are always talking about menopause because they're of an age. Um, so you've got a lot of that in the UK, which is opening up the conversation. In the UK, they're also looking at legislation coming down the track for organisations of over 250 to actually have a menopause in the workplace policy. So that's something that's going to be coming. And I firmly believe, and I've, I've said this, and this was in the, the Irish Times, one of the headlines, and this is my quote, which is, you know, menopause is where mental health was about 10 years ago. And so I can see, I do talks on menopause in the workplace with different organizations. I help them with staff training, with management training, with HR training. I also do policy development, and I've worked with the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organization on their um, position paper on menopause in the workplace. So there's, you know, a number of movements, but I just think it gives permission. And I would love men to engage in the conversation as well as women, because it affects us all. I think sometimes in some of these issues, um, men are kind of sat on the on the sideline a little bit, and and they kind of either they're not educated enough on it, or they don't know what to say, or they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Or but for say for me and John John, like what can we do to to help or to, to yeah? Well, I think I always say to anyone who's been educated through either talks we've done or through. Um, uh, awareness sessions or workshops or whatever you're now a menopause champion so you have to go out there and start talking about the menopause i i um, implore you to go out and do that and in casual conversation you can discuss it among your male friends you know anybody's wife going through menopause do you think do you know anything about it da 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 i think in relation to in as much as women will often say to their husbands or their partners and um, their male partners and um, you know have you thought about getting your prostate checked mm. You know, they're saying that out of care and out of, you know, wanting the husband to, to be healthy and so on. There's also, you know, the opportunity to go for like a midlife MOT maybe on both counts and get a few things kind of checked out. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think the thing needs to be, you know, it's not in, a, in, an, accusatory, in an accusatory way. It's more in a, Jesus, you know, I, I've just heard about this menopause stuff. I didn't realize it was so difficult for women, etc. You know, do you know much about it? What's, you know, as many of your friends, I mean, you wouldn't say it to a 30 year old. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would say it to any woman who's in their 40s, late 40s, 50s, 
mid fifties, you know. So the the window was sort of forty five to sixty ish, and that would be a way of kind of opening up rather than saying, "I notice you're very grumpy lately. Are you going through the menopause?" Yeah, I think sometimes men. I don't know what some men think. I think they think they should be out in the garden howling at the moon or something. They go, "Oh, it's happened, right?" It's you know, like I think they're just their markers are. Yeah, it, it's to try and support in a in a respectful way, you know. It's just yeah, to try and help it is, and it is difficult. Antagonising you know? them, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it is, and I I think it is like you know I've I've I heard this podcast about from Baz about menopause. Jesus, I didn't realise it was such a big thing. I didn't realise eighty percent of women go through it. I didn't know forty five percent have moderate to severe symptoms. Twenty five percent have severe symptoms, debilitating symptoms. Ten percent of women give up their work, and um, because of this, and you know eighty percent of women are unprepared for it. I didn't know all that. I didn't realise the symptoms could be so wide-ranging wow you know gosh we must prepare ourselves for this but there's a little bit of that too where it must have like a huge effect on relationships right like massive i mean this can lead to separation marriage breakup divorce marriage difficulties it can i mean the woman isn't you know feeling herself let's face it and um the man hasn't got a clue what's going on and she doesn't either and just things start to fall apart and the point is that as parents mothers and fathers we owe it to ourselves to 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 educate ourselves about puberty we owe it to our children we equally owe it to ourselves to educate ourselves about menopause which is puberty in reverse and any other male conditions it's not just the women's conditions it's about prostate cancer it's about you know and i don't know enough about male health to be able to go on but you know maybe that's something else but you know what I mean? It's, it's you wouldn't dream of, of, of not educating yourself about puberty. You wouldn't, because you're doing a disservice to your family. Yeah. Loretta, like, <laughs> there's nothing left. I think we, we've solved the menopause. So, you know, now just I'll, I'll move Elon Musk over and make a rocket to the moon because I can do anything. That's, that's brilliant. Like, that's been very helpful for me anyway. I go into workshops, um, they're online nowadays, and I say to everybody, and they're mostly women, but there are some men, and I say, give me, what's the word association with menopause? And with the exception of no more periods and freedom from pregnancy, everything else is negative. Wow, yeah. You know, but some women obviously don't have an issue, and um, they say they sail through menopause. But in my view, they're missing... Um, a wake-up call for the body to investigate the long-term health, actually. Well, uh, Anyway, I could talk all day about yeah. it. Yeah, well, I can't wait to get home and slip some magnets down in front of my missus. Honestly, there's something positive for the day. Huh? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, no, listen, that, it's, it was, Loretta, it was so nice to chat to you. Really, really I nice I was looking for my you. magnet there to show you, but anyway, because <laughs> um, I carry it around in my bag for all my presentations and whatever. But listen, I, I hope it was engaging for Listen, it was perfect. Well. It's, every, it's like, honestly, like I, I'm coming from a very novice point of view, so any any information, but but really, I, I think it's the more people talk about it, the more it's part of the conversation, and the more, like you say, yeah. the more permission there is um, for everybody yeah. to be part of that conversation yeah. the better that is you know so you're a top you're a top thanks a million for your time I know you're a busy lady thank so you. thanks a million yeah chat to you soon take care take Loretta care. bye 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 once again I'm right uh, she was wonderful wasn't she she's brilliant she's brilliant even John John sent me a little I miss John John do you know that give a shout out to 
shout out to my man, John John. My man, John John. My I'm, man, I'm, really, John John, on his holidays, okay. getting a tan, eating loads of ice creams and sending me photos. Yeah. I, well, I see you. <laughs> I see you and I raise you this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I miss John John too. But John John's back very soon, just in case people are wondering. But John John will be back. Um, what do I think? Oh my God, this is a tricky one. Okay, uh, look, there's not a lot I can really add, to be honest with you, but let me give you, if I may, some advice that I found helpful in life. This will be particularly useful if someone close to you is traveling on the treacherous mountain backroads of Northern Menopausia. Okay, being able to listen to your partner or your mother or your sister or whoever it is that is on that scary treacherous journey sat there clutching an awkward angry chicken on her lap looking lost and terrified i'm still using this rough peasant traveling metaphor but i'll stop now i'm confusing myself what i'm saying is being able to listen means uh, you're able to better understand their perspective it means i'm more likely to have constructive conversations where I feel uh, and I can grasp their point of view and they at least feel they're being considered you know I feel as a man sometimes in the past maybe with my own mother although when my mother was going through the menopause I was a teenager so it was, it was like two different worlds colliding at once but but when I think back about it I think I was very selfish and I was inconsiderate and uh, it was really I suppose somewhat uncomfortable discussing the menopause i don't have many regrets it's a little bit of a regret because really all i have to do is to try to talk about ways i can help relieve the symptoms as a team do you know what i mean i don't know um ask how i can ease her stress um how to encourage better sleep habits um maybe start an exercise regime maybe even do that shit together you know menopause isn't just a rough journey for women it's also hard for children and partners and friends who love them and um, playing the idiot card down the back of the bus doesn't work in this one right it doesn't work in this game like any serious condition i suppose you better educate yourself about it it will give you balance and help you be understanding and supportive and it will make you feel good because that's what it takes to be a friend or a partner or a son listen you see people think relationships break down when you stop talking but a lot of the time relationships break down when you stop listening and um, you need to be calm have control compassion and communicate take that fat chicken off her lap tell her to sleep on your shoulder and you'll wake her when you get there do you get me tight tight i i i I, I don't know. I thought I lost the, the, the kind of peasant bus ride journey metaphor, but it came back around really nicely, I thought. Wow. Right? Well, well put. Thank you very much. Listen, um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, maybe you could share it. That would mean a lot to me if you could share it. We'd, I'd love you to rate it. and uh, I'd love you to leave me a comment. You can... Uh, catch me on uh, all my social media you can catch me on twitter uh baza shmaui you can catch me on instagram at bashmaui um uh, is there anywhere else they can get me you can subscribe and follow and all that jazz the, the, the podcast is flying i'm so happy with it um but as always i'm greedy and i want more so as though if you can pass it around and that would be wonderful um as always Whoever you are out there, good luck in the cup. <laughs>